It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by Flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Here's your host. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get through it. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, and you're celebrating Schlocktober with Tom Sumner. Stand shine! Stand shine! 
Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, and you're celebrating Schlocktober with Tom Sumner. Hey, good morning, everybody. I'm Tom Sumner, and uh, while everyone else uh, this month is celebrating Rocktober and Shocktober, we celebrate uh, Schlocktober on the Tom Sumner program with a different odd or horrible recording to start and end the show each day uh, through the month of October. I promised a lot of new stuff for Schlocktober 2020, and we've had quite a few, but uh, that's an old favorite, um, Mae West singing twist and shout that's that's a tough uh, that's a tough find anyway we've got a great show coming up we're kind of going to the library today because we have uh, all authors in our three hour tour coming up next hour we're going to talk with um, martin puchner about his book the language of thieves and then john lean returns with a uh, with a new book called red river reunion it's actually uh, part of a series we'll get into all that later but first i want to apologize to my first guest for making her sit through schlocktober um, and welcome uh, to the show uh, the co-author of a book called physical intelligence we've heard of uh, um, and, you know, IQ and EQ. Now there's a PQ, and here to explain that is uh, Patricia Payton, who joins me by phone. Hi, Pat. Hello, Tom. Nice to be here. And, and I have to say, the twist and shout, those are two of the techniques that we might be talking about today, so I thoroughly <laughs> enjoyed that song. Um, and and uh, two things whose paths I thought would not likely have crossed the song Twist and Shout and uh, Mae West. That was a surprise. Um, yeah, and, and it's it's really funny. These songs that we play, Schlocktober in the month of October, something we started 10 years ago, um, Is it's, it's funny because you might love the artist and you might love the song, but not necessarily <laughs> together. Um Anyway, uh, moving on, talking about physical intelligence. How is physical intelligence different from emotional intelligence or just, uh, you know, plain thinking power? Sure. Well, it, it is different, but they are related. So physical intelligence is the ability to detect and actively manage the balance of certain key chemicals that are racing through our body, through how we breathe, how we move, how we think, and how we interact with each other so that we can achieve more, stress less, and live and work more happily. Uh, in fact, there are hundreds of chemicals racing through each of our bodies right now in our bloodstream and our nervous system, and those chemicals largely dictate how we think, how we feel, how we speak, and how we behave. Most of us operate primarily at the mercy of those chemicals. We feel waves of emotions, thoughts, and reactions without realizing that we can strategically influence the balance of certain key chemicals through, as I said, how we move, think, breathe, and communicate. And physical intelligence is the ability to detect and then actively manage certain chemicals. An, an important note, there are some chemicals we can't and wouldn't want to manipulate. They keep our heart beating and that kind of thing. But there is a subset that we can and actively should manage. And so, how do you how do you do that? How do you um, you know most of us think of those things as as happening sort of 
um, physiologically and and not in a way that we can control how how do we do that is is it through something like say chi or or uh, tai chi or or yoga or is there some discipline that we can use to uh, alter and control those uh, chemical action, actions and reactions? Well, those things that you mentioned would be physically intelligent things to do. There are hundreds of techniques. They're drawn primarily from the worlds of elite sports and the arts, uh, but also practices like Tai Chi, yoga, things like that. Those would be physically intelligent things to do, but the the topic of physical intelligence is bigger than any one of those. And we know that if we do that, it actually underpins our cognitive and our emotional intelligence. So the more physically intelligent you are, the more cognitively and emotionally intelligent you will be. And if you're not physically intelligent, then you're actually inhibiting your ability to make the most of your cognitive and your emotional intelligence. For example, uh, there's a study, <clears throat> study out of Stanford that tells us that we're 45% more likely to have a creative idea if we're walking rather than seated. And that is even if you're home and walking around the house or on a treadmill. So it's the act of, of moving the body and walking that helps to spark that creativity. Uh, that open and expansive body posture increases our confidence and our risk tolerance. So those sorts of things go beyond Tai Chi but if you're already and yoga, but if you're already practicing those, you're much more likely to be more physically intelligent already. Now you talk about um, saying, you know, if we're if we're walking um, rather than just sitting, that we're 45% more likely to have an innovative idea. Um, what what's happening there? Why is it? Why is that true? Well, it's it's you're changing the physical. You're 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 actually changing the chemical chemistry. Your 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 body chemistry, and shifting your focus. So, the uh, dopamine is the key chemical for creativity. And dopamine is our pleasure and reward chemical, and it's sparked when we when we have a different vista. So if we even if you can't move, if you simply look in your turn in your chair and you look at look out the window at something beautiful in nature, or you look at the at a at a beautiful piece of art that might be hanging on the wall in your home or your office, that's actually interacting with the visual cortex of your brain. Dopamine is very closely related with the visual cortex of the brain, and that's of course where so much of our creativity comes from. So simply by shifting our focus or getting up and moving and walking through the house or through nature, we're, we're triggering the release of that dopamine, which is crucial for our creativity. You know, another thing you point to is uh, paced breathing, which has been uh, proven to enhance uh, cognitive function by 62%. Um, I think we've all experienced the the idea of, um, you know, take a breath, take, you know, take a deep breath and and relax and, and, you know, calm down. And I think we've all experienced that you know that that you can do that you can take a breath and somehow that relaxes you um 
how is that related to enhancing cognitive function? So that study, the one that there was a study that found this is a group of bankers in South Africa where this study was done, and they had their outcome was this 62% improvement in cognitive function, which if I even got half of that, I'd be pretty excited. They (laughs) practiced paced breathing for 40 minutes a day, 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes in the evening. And they did that over the course of a few weeks and measured cognitive function before and after. So even if you do five minutes a day, what that's doing, and you build up over time, I begin and end my day with pace breathing every single day because I really want that brain power. You know, to me, that, that's exciting. So what happens is when we use pace breathing, and I can explain how that works, uh, we actually increase the levels of our DHEA. DHEA is our vitality chemical. In fact, in synthetic form, it's, uh, it's so powerful that in synthetic form, it's a banned substance for Olympic athletes but we can make it ourselves every single day through paced breathing. And, uh, and that's, that's what's impacting that cognitive function. We, of course, also need to be sitting in the right posture so that, that, that we're, we're fully inflating our lungs and getting that good breath deep into our body and sitting in a way that our body can communicate with our brain. Too often especially now with everyone working from home, and even when we weren't, uh, people in offices sitting in front of computers, they're sitting hunched over in front of their screens. Posture actually creates room for our lungs to expand, so we need to be using the right posture and then put paced breathing in place so that that, that breath can reach our brain. It's, uh, you know, to me, it's, it's crucial. Paced breathing also releases acetylcholine, which is our balance chemical, and that counteracts adrenaline, which is our fear and excitement chemical, and that empowers us to feel mentally and emotionally stable and confident, able to handle situations with clarity and focus. So it really is impacting our ability to think clearly beyond just calming us down, which absolutely it will do. And uh, I, I'll, I don't want to talk too long, but I can explain the pace breathing technique. Pat, and, yeah. let's, let's put a comma there. I have to take a short break here. Can you stick around? Because I want to talk about pace breathing. I also want to talk about how you quantify uh, uh, cognitive function. Um, but we, we need to take a short break. Sure. Uh, my guest is Pat Payton. She is the co-author of a book called Physical Intelligence, Harness your body's untapped intelligence to achieve more, stress less, and live more happily. We'll take a short break, and we'll be right back. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. 
A social distancing tip. Putting distance between yourself and others is critical to slowing the spread of coronavirus. So here are ways to stay in contact without the physical contact part. Call, send a text, set up a video conference, post on social media, dedicate a song on the radio. If you have symptoms of fever, dry cough, and shortness of breath, call your health care provider before going to their office. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part, because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Your calls matter. Join me and Andrea weekdays from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern to talk about whatever you want to talk about. The Tom Sumner Program has open phone lines Monday through Friday to hear from you. How's 2020 working out for you so far? How about those damn roads? Call in live at 810-339-8255. It's all about you. We'll be streaming live at TomSumnerProgram.com and simulcast on WFOV 92.1 FM in Flint. Foil hats are optional. You thought you had every Elvis record made, but wait, Elvis sings again, this time from heaven. That's right, Elvis from heaven. Yes, hear Elvis from Graceland in the Sky, soul-stirring versions of epic proportions. You'll hear Elvis crooning, early gate rock, all dug up, lying in the chapel, and 11 others. This record also includes a special Elvis message. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Elvis Presley. Order before midnight tonight and receive this Elvis Presley commemorative casket keychain. Open it up. Yes, the king inside. A must for any Elvis fan. Order yours today. To order your Elvis from Heaven, send $9.95 in check or money order to Elvis from Heaven, P.O. Box 714, Cleo, Michigan, 44487. Or save COD charges and phone 555-5554. Use Master Charge or Visa, Canadian residence, add $3. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology. Engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. Tom Sumner Program.com. The Tom This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. My guest this hour is the author of, uh, or co-author rather, of uh, a new book on uh, physical intelligence. Harness your body's untapped intelligence to achieve more, stress less, and live more happily. Um, and uh, Patricia Payton joins me by phone. Um, Pat, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. 
Thank you, Tom. Um, Pat, just before the break, we were talking about um, uh, paced breathing and its impact on cognitive function and and you offer to explain a little bit about paced breathing and how that works but first I'm, I'm curious about how we quantify cognitive function sure uh, we can talk but I'm, I'm going to try not to get too scientific and bore people to tears but our <laughs> hearts beat a uh, hundred thousand one hundred thousand times a day and it's a very rhythmic choreography really coordinated with our breathing so that heart and the breathing our heart rate speeds up while we're breathing in in order to pump oxygen around the body, and it slows down while we're breathing out. And then using what we call the vagus nerve, the heart and brain are in constant communication with each other about threat levels. So just as going to the gym can improve our muscle tone, how we breathe can improve our vagal tone. And of course, I'm going to say that Paced breathing, breathing in a steady, paced manner, improves that vagal tone. So the vagus nerve is part of the parasympathetic nervous system, which is our recovery and renewal system. And it, that's what releases that acetylcholine, that balance chemical I mentioned. And it, it counteracts the effects of adrenaline, brings the heart rate back to normal after intense effort, and enables us to be balanced, renew, have a cool head under pressure, think coherently rather than chaotically. And we can, measure, uh, we can measure our vagal tone through heart rate variability. So the, it's the rate of change in the heartbeat as pressure builds that is the critical factor for stability and high cognitive function. And that is called HRV, heart rate variability. And we can become, we can improve our HRV using paced breathing. And there are devices biofeedback devices that measure HRV, and that's what that study used and found that those bankers improved their cognitive function by 62% after using paced breathing for that period of time that I mentioned. And, and is, uh, when you're doing paced breathing, is there, is there uh, you said you start each day with it, um, is there a, a recommended length of time and, and a, a regiment, and, and how, how do you do that? How do you add that to your routine? Sure. So, you know, everyone's schedule is their own, and we don't want to dictate an absolute amount of time. Those bankers did it for 40 minutes every day, 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes in the evening. If you can do that, wonderful. More power to you. Uh, we say at least start with 10 minutes, 5 in the morning and 5 in the evening, and then inch up from there. But just get that in. It, it will become muscle memory over time. If you start this practice of breathing in this way, then you can easily put it in place. I, I do at least 20 minutes a day, 10 in the morning, 10 in the evening. If I can, I do even more. If you meditate, that is a very easy way to get paced breathing into your day because you can make sure that while you're meditating in those periods of time that, that you're focused on your breathing, that you are, in fact, breathing in a paced way, which I'll explain in a minute. So uh, if you, and if you, if you want to jumpstart that meditation practice, download an app like Calm or Headspace, and that will help you get medi meditating, create that habit, and then as you're doing that, make sure you're breathing in a paced way, diaphragmatically breathing in a paced way, and now you're off and running. 
So uh, again, the time is up to you, minimum 10 minutes, five in the morning, five in the evening. The bankers did it 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes in the evening. Uh, so shall I describe what paced breathing is? Yeah, please. All right. So paced breathing is, first of all, breathing diaphragmatically. A lot of people already know what that is, and if you have ever sung in your life uh, and been taught how to sing, then you know what this is. The diaphragm is, uh, how do I describe it? It's a, a dome-shaped muscle that uh, that's kind of at the bottom of the ribs. And what you know if you, you have a, an upper abdomen and a lower abdomen, if you put a book against your upper abdomen and you take a breath in, we want to see that book move out rather than your shoulders or your chest rise. That's clavicular breathing up at the top, shoulders and chest. So we want you to breathe deep down into your gut so that that book can actually push away from your body with that in-breath. That's diaphragmatic breathing. So once you have that figured out, and it's not difficult, you just have to think about it and you can do it, then paced breathing is breathing in a steady rate of in-breath and out-breath, in through the nose, out through the mouth. You get to choose the pace. You might choose a count of four in and a count of four out, or four in and six out, or five in and seven out. It's whatever is comfortable for you. But I will note that if you aim, if you are feeling panicked or overwhelmed or stressed, aim for a longer out-breath because that will help dispel carbon dioxide that has a tendency to build up in the base of our lungs because it's heavier than oxygen. And carbon dioxide, when it rises, when we have too much, it increases our cortisol levels. And cortisol is our stress hormone. So if we aren't getting that carbon dioxide that's heavier out of the base of our lungs, then we're much more likely to have that cortisol rise and to feel stressed and anxious. We need cortisol to get up and out of bed in the morning. It's very important. It's also a very, very important for our fight or flight response. But we don't want too much or we move into overdrive and burnout. You identify four, they're called, I guess, pillars of, of physical intelligence. Um, yes. What are they, and, and is one more important than the other? The, the four uh, pillars or elements of physical intelligence are strength, flexibility, resilience, and endurance. Strength is, uh, is I'll define that one, strength and flexibility are not as intuitive. Strength is all about inner strength, confidence, resolve, appropriate risk-taking, standing your ground, and speaking and acting wisely and decisively in complex, high-risk situations. That's the kind of strength we're talking about rather than the physical strength, although there's a relationship there. What do you, then, what do you mean by um, appropriate risk-taking? Well, if you think about, uh, you know, just think about stock market crashes. We can actually link those back to inappropriate risk-taking, where... You really were not thinking clearly. So I think about an informed risk versus a reckless gotcha. step that someone might take. Informed risk says it all because very often um, we, we take risks without knowing what the full risk is. Correct, correct. And we're just saying 
with with strength, with physical intelligence type of strength, you would be in the right mental state. Those that heart rate variability would be where it needs to be, so that you aren't reacting in a panicked way. You remain calm in the face of pressure, and you respond thoughtfully rather than simply reacting. As I said, most people experience thoughts, reactions, and emotions without realizing that they can strategically influence them. That's what we mean by physical intelligence. So it's catching yourself in the moment and saying, all right, I'm not going to react. How many people have sent that angry letter or email and regretted it instead of sleeping on it? Even that is risky behavior. So you want to slow down. If your breathing is already in place, then you're much better prepared to do that. So that's what we mean, we mean by appropriate risk-taking. You know, it's funny you say that. I find myself many times a day um, literally counting to 10. Yes. And, and sometimes, and I don't know when it locked in for me, but, but sometimes it's even to give myself time to make sure that I have my keys and the things that I need to have with me when I leave the house. I'll, I'll stop and take a beat and literally count to 10 to allow myself to, to you know, remember if I've left something behind. Yeah, and you're literally getting your brain waves into a coherent state instead of allowing them to stay in a chaotic state if you were rushing to leave the house. I, I know I've run up and down the stairs a million times. Oh, I forgot this, I forgot that, and I finally say, stop, stop, <laughs> while you're up here. Stop and think so you don't have to keep running up and down, although at least it's exercise. So, yes, it's, it's really that, it, as I, I often describe some of these techniques as, uh, as simple, but, and I urge people to not confuse simple with unimportant. How we sit in front of the computer, how we stand, how we breathe, all really matter. They affect how confident we feel, how confident we appear, and how much confidence we inspire in other people. And yet they're both very simple techniques, posture and paced breathing. So that's, that's strength. Strength is that inner strength, confidence, resolve, appropriate risk-taking. Flexibility is creativity, innovation, collaboration, agile thinking, adapting to different types of people, different communication styles, embracing change. That's what we mean by flexibility. Resilience is just what you'd think if you looked it up in the dictionary. Our ability to bounce back from disappointment, from challenge, and endurance is our ability to sustain an effort over the long haul to remain patient and persistent. Those are the four elements, and you asked if one of them was more important than the other. They're all very important. Uh, I would say that strength is a foundation, just like the foundation of your house and the walls are built upon that strong foundation of your home. Flexibility, resilience, and endurance are like the walls that are built upon that foundation of strength. But they're all equally important. And we need them in different amounts at different points in the day or in our lives. And, and how does physical intelligence um, and, and the awareness of it and the use of it um, impact different areas of our life? How... How does that help with our, our personal or private lives? How does, it, how does it factor in in our professional lives? Well, that, that's, a, that's going to be a question that's unique to each person. 
But, for example, let's say that you're uh, struggling to communicate with your teenager and uh, you need to, you, if you shifted your focus and you put yourself in their shoes, you could more easily connect with them. That would be using your flexibility. Or uh, there's a, a story in the book. It was my husband out uh, on a sailboat with his first wife and their very young children, and a storm came up. He was in San Francisco Bay, and he knew that if he didn't bring the rudder around immediately, they would capsize, and they, their lives were literally at risk. But because he has that strength, he didn't panic. He stayed very calm, and there's, an, and, and there's a, a clear place where many people could panic, and, and we wouldn't even fault them for it. But he was able to maintain that strength, very clearly direct everyone to do by name, to do this, that, and the other, and the crisis was averted. So there are two examples. Uh, in work, in, in work, think about how everyone has been so worn down. We really need resilience right now because whether we're on the front line and working incredibly hard and in very emotionally draining and stressful situations, or we're in an office environment where we're not able to communicate and collaborate as well, uh, or we might be working longer hours and that, that boundary between work and home is blurring. Especially for people working at home. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I've, all, I've worked for home, from home for many, many years, but for many it's new. And we need to put those boundaries in place. And many are, are bleeding over and, and they're going into burnout because they're working too many hours or they're not moving their body. They're sitting in front of this computer. So for them, they might need resilience. And uh, and they might also need endurance because we don't know how long this is going to live uh, to last. Uh, and also even flexibility because there's so much uncertainty. We don't know when it's you know we don't know when it's going to end. We don't know what we're going to be asked to do differently in response to what's going on, whether it's the pandemic or the political divide or social unrest or fires raging in your backyard or floods you know, coming over your front door. So there's quite a lot that people are managing right now, and they need that strength to remain calm. They need that flexibility to adapt. They need the resilience to bounce back from this onslaught of challenge, and they need endurance for the long haul. And there are any number of techniques that they can go in and, and use uh, based upon where they feel they, they need the most you know, I've always worked in um, areas that, that I think of as being more clerical or managerial and, um, and, and less physically active. Um, and yet, whenever I take on something, some sort of physical labor, whether it's, you know, repairing the railing on a, on a stair, stairway or um, some, some other physical activity um, I, I, I find myself uh, experiencing some sense of creativity um, without even trying to now isn't that interesting because number one you've changed your perspective so we talked about that dopamine release that that comes into the brain your, the dopamine and the connection to the visual cortex of the brain and the other, uh, the other chemicals for flexibility are oxytocin 
DHEA, that vitality chemical that I mentioned under paced breathing, and serotonin, which is our happiness and our self-esteem chemical. And oxytocin, I didn't define, is our social bonding and trust chemical. So when you move your body, uh, one, you're shaking up that cocktail. And we talked uh, at the very top of the conversation about twisting and shaking from the, from the Mae West song. Uh, what, what we know is that if you actually twist at the waist, serotonin is released because serotonin is, is produced not just in the brain, but by independent neurons in the gut. So if we twist, at, if you stand up and twist, that's great. And if you were doing that physical labor, you were probably twisting your body in some way. But if you can't get up and chop wood, then you can certainly at least stand and twist, practice a golf swing. But get yourself twisting at the waist at least twice a day. Number one, it releases the serotonin, our happiness chemical. And two, it moves our organs, the organs that are in the center of the body, and blushes out, releases the toxins that can build up around those organs and gets them out of the body. So we need to twist and move more often. In fact, there was a study that came out after the book was published, more recent, in the past few weeks, that tells us that even if we work out for a full hour at the end of the day, if we're sitting for six hours, we are shaving years off our life. We feel... uh, uh, you know, a moral obligation to get that news out. So, for example, one of our uh, clients, Google, schedules 50 instead of 60-minute calls so that you have that 10 minutes at the end of each hour to get up and move around the house before you come back for that inevitable next call if you are an office worker right now, right? We're not moving anywhere near as much. So your movement was increasing your flexibility, your creativity, because it was boosting all of those chemicals, the serotonin for sure, the dopamine through shifting your focus. Your vita- if, you were, if you were breathing the right way, then also your DHEA would be spiking. And then oxytocin, that's not really related so much to the outdoor work, but oxytocin, our social bonding and trust chemical, is um, is released by in, it's created by independent neurons in our heart in addition to our brain. So if any of those movements were opening your chest, think about Kate Winslet in Titanic on the front of the on the bow of the ship with Leonardo DiCaprio behind her. That kind of a movement actually releases oxytocin when you're opening up your heart. So you very likely were putting that winning cocktail for flexibility in place without even really knowing it as you were doing that physical labor. Does physical intelligence come more easily to some people than others? Is it something that some people do almost automatically? Uh, I, I, I don't know. I can't speak for everyone. But I do know that if you have a background in, in sports or in the arts, and particularly dance or singing more than reading or painting, then... You are, you are already present in your body. I started dancing at the age of, uh, well, taking classes at the age of five, but I was dancing from the moment I could walk and singing from the moment I could talk. So I was already present in my body from a very early age, and that's where I, I first learned posture between my ballet teacher and my mother and my grandmother. So 
if you have that kind of background, then you are already likely doing some physically intelligent things. If you work out, you already are headed down the path toward physical intelligence. If you practice yoga, if you meditate, if you practice Tai Chi, all of these are physically intelligent things. But if you don't fully understand the body of physical intelligence, then you aren't necessarily using those techniques strategically. And there may be, and I'd likely will be, more in the book that you can learn because there are literally hundreds of techniques. So I don't want to say that one person versus another uh, is able to be more physically intelligent. I think we all are. And even with limited range of movement, everyone can focus on how they breathe. So, uh, or I shouldn't say everyone, I would say almost everyone can focus on how they breathe. Some of us unfortunately can't, but most of us can focus on how we breathe at a minimum. And if you can't focus on how you breathe, you can at least focus on your mindset. And there are some techniques in the book that are just visualizations and thought processes that can be helpful to you. Start where you are. And we encourage people to habit stack a few techniques in and use those. Habit stacking means putting them next to something you already do every day. I wake up, I start paced breathing. I get out of bed, I scan my body for tension. I walk into the bathroom and I smile at myself in the mirror to give myself some serotonin before I brush my teeth. I walk across the house in what we call the winter pose to put my chemistry of confidence in place. I pay attention to my posture and my breathing while I'm in front of that computer. A twist. These are all things that most people can easily incorporate. Pat, we're just about out of time. The name of the book is Physical Intelligence, Harness Your Body's Untapped Intelligence to Achieve More, Stress Less, and Live More Happily. Um, Pat, uh, obviously the book is a great place to start, but um, I always want to give guests an opportunity, and we have like one minute um, to let listeners know where uh, where they can find out more. Do you have a website? Sure, companiesinmotion.com. Go to the website, join our community. You give us your email. We don't give it to anybody else. And once a week, we send you a tip. And we're always doing more research. So there are, there's more research coming out and more techniques that we're creating so that you can keep developing your physical intelligence. And follow me on Twitter. It's at Peyton, P-E-Y-T-O-N, underscore Patricia. So follow me on Twitter, and you'll get even more tips. So I would love to hear from you. Write to us, and, and certainly if you have a business and you would like us to come in and help you, you can reach us through the website there. Well, Pat, thank you so much for uh, sharing this information and your time with us. It was a pleasure meeting you. Thank you, Tom. Great to meet you. And I'm going to give a shout-out to Aunt Margaret in Linden in case she's listening. <laughs> Good. Okay, then. Thanks, and uh, be well. Take care. You too, Tom. Bye-bye. We're going to take a short break, but we've got uh, more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner program. 
Hi, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. If you like talk radio that makes you think without telling you what to think, check out our whole show weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern at TomSumnerProgram.com. Selected segments are also available on this and other radio stations, but you can hear us anytime. Daily editions of the Tom Sumner Program repeat online all day and night on the show's website. Past shows can be found in the website archives. My long-format interviews with New York Times best-selling author photographers and writers from National Geographic, as well as artists, musicians, candidates, and elected officials are made possible by listeners like you. Support the Tom Sumner Program and Civilized Talk Radio. Visit our website at TomSumnerProgram.com and become a member. You can make a one-time gift or become a sustaining patron by taking the link to the Tom Sumner Program Patreon page. Thanks for listening and thanks for your support. discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Thank you, and thank you all for tuning in. You know, we know that tough times don't last, but tough people do. We've been through a lot here in Michigan. We've been through crisis before, where the country needed their countrymen and countrywomen to pitch in collectively to get through a crisis and rise to the occasion. Michigan once was the arsenal of democracy to win World War II. We need that same spirit now. We're working around the clock with doctors and hospitals and first responders to stop the spread and to save lives. But we need your help too. The state has launched a new volunteer website at www.michigan.gov forward slash fight COVID-19 where trained medical professionals can register to serve their fellow Michiganders by assisting hospitals in fighting COVID-19. State residents can also use the site to find out how they can help in their local communities by giving blood or donating resources or needed medical supplies. Whether you're a medical professional looking to volunteer or you're someone who can give blood or donate to your local food bank, everyone can help out. To get through this, we must all do our part. Stay home, stay safe and save lives. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. I know of a place where you never get harmed, a magical place with magical charms, indoors, indoors, indoors. 
Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. When John Henry was a little baby, sitting on his daddy's knee, he picked up a hammer and a little piece of steel and said, "Goo goo 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 goo." That's not the, that's not the right verse. He was only six months years old. Well, cut it, six. Tommy, the real, the ethnic. You know the real version. When John Henry was a little baby, sitting on his daddy's knee. Daddy picked him up, threw him on the floor, said, this baby's done wet on me. <laughs> I, I, I apologize. Oh, one more chance. One more chance is all you get. See this pin? It says, think ethnic. You gotta think ethnic and sing ethnic to ever earn this pin. When John Henry was a little baby Sitting on his daddy's knee He picked up a hammer and a little piece of steel And said this hammer be the death of me, Lord, Lord Hammer be the death of me Yeah, when John Henry was just a little tyke He picked up a piece of steel and a hammer it seemed like he knew all the time, down deep inside, that he was going to work on the railroads. And there was a big story waiting for him to arrive on. Why was a little boy used to go around hammering on things? His daddy bought him a little hammer. Let's go around hammering the tables and hammering the fixtures. We <laughs> used to get a licking all the time to go up and hammer on the front door. Hammer on the chairs. Yet as John Henry grew, he grew in size, and he grew in stature, and he grew in his mind, his horizons grew. He started going out and got a bigger hammer. Started walking around town hammering things. Hammering trees, people's fences, the fire hydrants. While John Henry could just go around hitting one fire hydrant with one mop. Yeah. All dogs in town hated John Henry. <laughs> well, the whole story goes is that when he grew to full size, he could drive steel on the railroad, drive those spikes in the ground faster than any ten men. People started talking about John Henry. Why is the fastest man that ever drove steel on the railroad? And the whole story of John Henry really starts the day the captain told John Henry something. John Henry said, Tell me something, Captain. 
Then the captain said John Henry, I'm gonna bring me a steam drill round I'm gonna bring me a steam drill Out on the job I'm gonna pop that steel on down Lord, Lord, pop that steel on down Sure enough, next day they had a steam drill out on the job. Big red steam drill, shiny smokestack sticking up in the air. Well, they had old John Henry over there, muscles rippling in the sun, sweat running off in gimlets. Ringlets. Well, the captain head of all the railroad workers, looked over at that steam drill and smiled. Then he turned over and he looked over at John Henry, with his beady little eyes. He snarled over at John Henry. Hi there, John. <laughs> well, John Henry didn't say nothing. Just spit on his hands, picked up those two nine-pound hammers, walked slowly over towards that steam drill, spit on the steam drill. <laughs> then went over and spit on the captain. <laughs> so it got to be about 12 o'clock starting time for the race. Every railroad man in the county was out there that day because they knew if John Henry lost that race, they were all out of a job. Well, it got to be starting time for the race. John Henry is up there at that starting line. And Steam Drill was up there at that starting line. Big smokestack sticking right up in the air. A little bit of spit on it. <laughs> well, the captain walked up to the starting line. I swear you could hear a pin drop that day. Took out his pistol and pointed it up in the air. John Henry spit on it. <laughs> Actually, this was about the greatest race in the history of man. The race between a man and a machine. He pointed that pistol up in the air and shot it off. Bang! <laughs> that started that race. Three, then it 
Hammer John Henry out of sight, Lord, Lord. Hammer John Henry out of sight. <laughs> Hammer John Henry out of sight. Oh, Lordy. Yeah, that's right. John Henry lost that race. Dumb smile, I thought he could be a steam drill. <laughs> what a thing for crying out loud. John Henry said to the captain, to the captain, by God I ain't no fool. Before I die with a hammer in my hand, I'm gonna get me a steam drill too, Lord, Lord. Get me a steam drill too. Get me a steam drill too, Lord, Lord. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. In a stretch of quarantine that lasts until July A super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus And if you got a better cough in your arm And if you got a better... <coughs> now back in 1918, influenza had its run But half the docks were busy overseas with World War I Today we have mass media and scientists to say If you don't want this virus, well then stay six feet away Super damn important that we practice isolation Cause we're asymptomatic while it's an incubation We'll overwhelm our hospitals if there's not mitigation It's super damn important that we practice isolation If we don't do it, then we're all gonna die If we don't do it, then we're all gonna die And so I hope at last you'll take this lesson here to heart Cause it's already scary and we're only at the start If you get bored, just think of the immunocompromised Who can't go much of anywhere unless it's sterilized Oh, super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus If we don't act quick and social distance, it will mire us In a stretch of quarantine, the last until July A super bad, transmittable Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. Tom Sumner, program.com. The Tom Sumner, program.com. Pilots, get off of my lawn! We're trying to do a radio show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on! Go on, get out of here!